0: It's a beautiful day at the homestead. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Tower, an insider's look into the Omni homestead. I'm your host, Jesse Bruton. Today we're speaking to Sean Puller, Executive Director of Garth Newell Music Center, a world-class facility just down the road from the resort. Sean, thank you so much for sharing your time with us.
1: Oh, thank you. It's great to be here.
0: So why don't you tell us a little about yourself?
1: Well, it's interesting. I I actually grew up in a a place very much like Bath County, incredibly rural, and actually part of the Allegheny Mountain chain up in Pennsylvania. Uh, So being here in this beautiful, beautiful setting is just like being home. Uh, Being from a small town, you had to dream big in order to get out of it. So I was attracted to music and pursued that as a career. And then eventually, after singing on the opera stage for a number of years, gravitated towards uh, administration. Uh, I've been coming to the Garth Newell Music Center in Bath County for 20 years now. Fell in love with it at first sight. I remember driving down Warm Springs Mountain and just being blown away. And I knew 20 years ago that this is where I wanted to be, and it took me 15 years to figure out how to get here full time. I was very happy to accept the leadership of the Garth Newell Music Center. A lot of journey in between uh, that thought and the manifestation of it, but it's been a journey that's been well worth it.
0: So in addition to overseeing the music center, it sounds like you're a musician yourself.
1: I am a musician myself. Actually, I have a, a indirect line towards the music center. Started in a career in mental health, so I worked in a residential treatment center with children for 10 years before I went back and pursued music. But music was always part of my life, and eventually when I was in my early 30s, thought this is the time I have to do it now or it's never going to happen. So got myself together, did an audition, was accepted into a master's degree program at Ithaca College and then shortly after earning that master's was accepted into an opera company program, a young artist program in Binghamton, New York, and uh, was able to do that for a number of years before finally heading down to Florida State University where I earned my PhD in music education.
0: So how long have you been in the Bath County area?
1: I just finished my fourth anniversary here in October of 2018. Uh, was Brought in originally as a fundraising uh, specialist and shortly after that uh, was elevated to the role of the executive director when the previous executive director resigned. So held that position for a few weeks and then they said that they would make it permanent and it's been really quite a beautiful relationship ever since then.
0: So were you drawn specifically to the music center or was there something about the area that drew you in as well?
1: Yes, the music center, but the music center takes place within this extraordinary, extraordinary county. I can wax poetic about it. It actually connects to me very deeply. I I find something almost spiritual about this place. I, I felt it the first time I came here. It's not unusual for mountain areas or seaside areas to have that sort of energy to them. I really felt it here in Bath County with the mountains. There's something Extraordinary that happens when you enter into the county, a county with fewer than 4,500 people, with no traffic lights. Once upon a time, people told me that, oh, coming to Bath County is like going to this Shangri La or Brigadoon, is an even better example where reality fades away and you're in the middle of this make believe place. And I think that's actually not true. I think the opposite is true, that this is the place where you actually get to connect with what really is. You're not distracted with the electronic wallpaper. You have very poor cell reception often. You're very much outside of that hustle and bustle of busyness that keeps your monkey brain running. And when you come to the county, really, I felt it the first time I came over the mountain. There's this almost incredible relief that takes place a baggage being lifted off your shoulders as you come down that mountain, and you're just surrounded by this immense beauty, this serenity. That's what attracted me to this place. The Garth Newell Music Center takes place within that context. I've always told people that having the music center here is just a poor investment idea. I mean, it really is a county of fewer than 4,500 people. There's no real significant corporate support that's available in the county. If we were to start doing this today, trying to create the music center today, I would be looking for investors to say, hey, let's have a chamber music center, which has the connotation of being incredibly esoteric in this county with limited resources. Uh, You would look at me and you would think that I'm just nuts. But what is true is that this is the only place that the music center could take place. This is the only place that an idea like the chamber music center could really thrive. It's an incredibly magical place, I think. It allows us to be calm, to be silent, and to connect to each other in the true sense of what it means to be sharing this planet with each other. I think chamber music is the perfect medium in this place because chamber music requires you to be still, to be quiet, to come into this space and to share a musical experience in what I think is one of the most intimate forms of music that exists. So what attracted me to this center? It's not a very quick answer, but I think it's the deep beauty, the spiritual connection, and of course, the award-winning music center that I get to be uh, the head of at this time.
0: It's a beautiful sentiment that the music center enriches the area and is also enriched by the area.
1: Yes, I think it's symbiotic in that way, truly.
0: So Garth Newell... Where does that name come from?
1: Garth Newell uh, was actually named after a retired country western singer who lives in a shack at the bottom of our hill. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Uh, Garth Newell is actually a Welsh phrase. It means new home. It was named that by the two people who built the property in the 1920s, William Sergeant Kendall and his young wife, Christine Herter Kendall. William Sargent Kendall was an artist. He had his heyday at the turn of the century in Paris. He won several prizes, was a student of Thomas Eakins. He became despondent with the direction that art was headed in Europe as it became more expressionistic, losing form, content, and uh, structure. He packed his bags, came back to the United States, and one of his uh, friends introduced him to the Herder family. Uh, William Sargent Kendall uh, is a still a significant American artist. His works hang in all the most significant galleries in the United States. He was known mostly for portraits, especially of those of his own wife and children. They're quite poignant and touching. When he came back to the United States, he was introduced to the well-to-do, and he did portraits of the well-to-do. Uh, one of the families that he was introduced to were the Herders. Uh, they were a New York family. They really had just a wide social circle. Christine was one of three daughters of the herders. The herders decided that they wanted their children to be raised in a way that was unusual for the time. Uh, With three girls, the the entire line of the herders dies off. And so their parents wanted the children to be able to do whatever they wanted to do. Uh, They were homeschooled before homeschooling was a real thing. Uh, The girls were given instruction in mathematics, science, uh, business, uh, accounting, painting, music, literature. Basically, the parents wanted the girls to be able to do anything they wanted to do, whether that was to follow in their father's footsteps in the medical field, to run a company, to pursue the arts. Really, their world was open before them. Christine had aptitudes in music and art. She was a fine violinist, and she was a fine painter, And at the age of 13 or 14, her parents took on a teacher for her to give her art lessons, and that was William Sargent Kendall. She hated, just hated the lessons. She thought he was severe, she thought he was uh, difficult and grumpy, uh, but she still thrived. And when she was a teenager, she went to Paris, she painted, she won prizes, she came back to the United States. In the interim, William Sargent Kendall had been recruited heavily by Yale University and he became the head of the Fine Arts Department from 1913 to 1924. When she returned from Europe, she enrolled in Yale University and earned the equivalency of a baccalaureate degree from Yale University in 1914, which would have been extraordinary at that time for a woman to be admitted into Yale and to be able to pursue her dreams of becoming an artist. Over the next 10 years, the families became closer and closer, Christine vacationed with William Sergeant Kendall and his wife and children uh, on holidays in New England. Uh, We have her diaries, and after about 10 years, you can see the inevitable train wreck that was about ready to happen, where they both professed their love for each other. He divorced his wife, left his family, and married Christine. We know this because it was printed in the New York Times headlines. In the social pages, because of her connections and his connections with Yale, the headline reads, and I almost directly quote, Sergeant Kendall divorces wife and marries student. It was brutal for the family. Shortly after that, her mother, as a wedding present, gave her a large amount of money— and said, wouldn't it be nice and better for you both if you went someplace else? Shortly after that, Yale University congratulated William Sergeant Kendall on his early retirement. And so the social doors were closing in their faces in New York City and Yale and Connecticut. The herders had been vacationing here at the homestead uh, or within Bath County for years. Back at that time, the rumor was, or the story is, that you would get on the train in New York City at 8 o'clock at night, and you would wake up at the homestead at eight o'clock in the morning. And back in the early part of the century, it wasn't uncommon for what they called colonies to be in residence for a number of weeks or months. And we can only assume that the Kendalls were part of that whole idea. So the Kendalls knew this area. They vacationed in this area. They spent time in this area. Christine and both William were avid horse people. And at that time, this was the extreme western edge of horse country in Virginia. It's moved a bit further east since that time, but it still is uh, the fringes of horse country in Virginia. After moving here and, and looking around for property for about a year or so, they settled on what has become Garth Newell. They built this beautiful manor house, a riding rings, stables, and they converted that 114-acre property into a horse farm. They had prize-winning Arabians. They won numerous prizes at the Homestead's annual uh, horse shows, Uh, They were very proud of those. Christine and William became important to the social network of this county. When people would come in residence, when they had their friends coming into the colonies uh, for their stays here at the homestead, they would be invited over to Garth Newell for dinners. Beginning in 1932, they began hosting concerts for their visiting friends from Connecticut and New York. And again, we know this because the Happenings of Bath County and especially of of Homestead were reported in the New York Times social pages. And so we have little snippets and little blurbs that say things such as William Sergeant Kendall and his wife Christine Herter Kendall are hosting a series of concerts and dinners at their home, Garth Newell, at this time uh, by invitation only. So in the 1930s, they began hosting parties and concerts of visiting string quartets from Europe. Uh, It was really quite a lovely and wonderful existence. In 1938, William Sergeant Kendall died after a horse accident. It was the second of two accidents that he'd had in a year, and the second one he never recovered from. Christine was 22 years younger than William Sergeant Kendall. So that left her a, a widow around the age of 42 or 43, not very old. Uh, She tried to maintain that farm for a number of years, uh, but eventually the burden of it became quite large. World War II broke out. Uh, She packed up her belongings and wanted to be useful to the cause. So she took her painting equipment and went up to the Greenbrier Hotel, which had been converted into a convalescent hospital for GIs. And she thought to herself that it would be perhaps useful if she could teach some of the soldiers who were recovering how to paint as a way of dealing with the trauma of war. It was art therapy before art therapy was a real thing. At that time, she thought that the, the property, the 114 acres, was just becoming a huge burden for her. And she was under a lot of pressure from uh, family members and from her lawyer to do something with the property to help ease some of the tax burden. She began looking for people to partner with, to do something of use with the property. She thought of turning it into a retirement center for artists, but thought that that was a horrible idea upon consideration because artists are messy. And then she found the Girl Scouts of America. And uh, for a number of years in the mid to late 1950s, the Garth Newell Music Center, it was just Garth Newell at the time, was converted into a Girl Scout camp. I still have to this day uh, women of an age that come knock on my door and ask me, sheepishly. Excuse me, but was this a Girl Scout camp? And I will say, yes, it was. And they tell me stories of of their time here as a Brownie or as a Girl Scout or whatever. Well, the Girl Scouts found the property too rough. Uh, It is on the side of a mountain. It's an incredibly difficult property to maintain. And so after about five years, they deeded everything back over to Mrs. Kendall. In the interim, she'd had another house built on the lower part of the campus. And Uh, She moved into that and began living out her days, uh, sort of despairing of doing anything of great importance. Uh, She helped found the Bath County Arts Association's annual art show, which still goes on to this day, back in the 1960s. Um, She was very involved in the social life of Bath County. One of her best friends was Dr. Pohl's widow, Mrs. Pohl, who was the first proprietor of the flower shop here at the hotel. They were fast friends and did did many things together and all the way up until the end of their lives, phoned each other every night and uh, toasted each other over a glass of sherry. Moving forward in time in 1973, at that time Mrs. Kendall was 81 years old, and a mutual friend introduced her to a cellist and a violinist, uh, Luca DiCecco and Arlene DiCecco. They were part of the string quartet known as the Row String Quartet, which had their residency based at Duke University in North Carolina. And they were at that time taking children to uh, Bluefield, Maine for a chamber music experience. Beautiful, beautiful place. They weren't really looking to do anything different than that, but a mutual friend said, you really should meet this woman. She's unique. So they put it off for about a year, and then eventually they were introduced to each other. They met Mrs. Kendall, who at that time was in a a walker, which is extraordinary because she was a frontier woman. She was a horseback riding, cigar smoking, wee little thing, Uh, but she was tough as nails. At that point, in a walker, she meets Luca and Arlene at the door. They discuss all the people that they know, you know, the small talk that brings people together. And they found out, even though that their lives were separated by at least a generation, that they knew people in common. It's quite a magical moment. And I'll digress, you don't need to know this, but there's this awesome story about a painting that Christine had painted back in 1914 or 15. It was the Kniesel String Quartet. Nobody has heard of the Kniesel String Quartet, but almost everyone has heard of Juilliard, like the Juilliard School. And the Kniesel String Quartet had connections to the Juilliard School because the members of the quartet, some of the members, helped found the Juilliard School. Christine did a painting of that quartet and she felt it was one of her best works. It was a large painting, probably four feet by four feet. Uh, she thought it was really representative of some of her absolute best work. However, The painting was rumored to have been lost in the fire that burnt down the original structure of Juilliard. So as Luca and Arlene and Mrs. Kendall were visiting and talking, she was telling the story of the string quartet, making a connection to Luca and Arlene, who were part of a quartet. And she was bemoaning the fact that the painting was lost in the fire. And Luca said, oh, no, I know where that painting is. She was flabbergasted. She said, how how can you know where that painting is? It was lost in the fire. And he said, no, no, it's actually hanging in Kniesel Hall, in Bluefield, Maine, where we are taking children for a chamber music experience in the summertime. The story goes is that Kneisel's widow was absolutely incensed that the painting of the quartet named after her late husband should be hanging in this place called Juilliard. You know, those quartets usually break up with bad blood. So one night she stole into, the, into Juilliard, took the painting, spirited away, and shortly after that, the place burnt down. After they shared that story and that connection, it almost became a fait accompli. They decided that they would try to convert Garth Newell into a music center. Uh, They decided they would have one concert. It was just the children that summer. Mrs. Kendall was not overly excited to have strangers on her property. She was a little weary of just opening the place up, but she did love the children. She just absolutely loved the children. So they gave it a try. The first concert, it was Mrs. Kendall, Luke, and Arlene, and uh, Mrs. Kendall's uh, sister, Polly, who was Mrs. W.W. W. Norton of the publishing world. And that was everybody at the first concert. After the concert, Mrs. Kendall said, I like that pretty well. We should do that again. And so the next year, Luke and Arlene invited their compatriots in the row Quartet to join them in the summertime, and then they had three weeks. They began to have concerts in conjunction with the the student program. The following year, it was six concerts, and it just kept growing and growing and growing. Mrs. Kendall died in 1981, and after almost 10 years of working with Luca and Arlene to establish the Garth Newell Music Center, she bequeathed the entire property and its contents over to Luca and Arlene DiCecco for the formation of the Garth Newell Music Center Foundation, a nonprofit 501 501c3 and it has been growing and thriving ever since.
0: So you mentioned that the music featured at Garth Newell is primarily chamber music. For those who may not be familiar with chamber music, could you elaborate on that? Sure.
1: Chamber music, when you say chamber music to most people, they immediately think classical music. And it is true that for the first, I don't know, 150 years or so, 200 years of of Western music, chamber music was indeed classical music. But today, our parent organization, which is Chamber Music America, defines chamber music as one person per part being played, usually in an intimate setting without a conductor. So chamber music today has broadened in its definition to include genres such as jazz, blues, uh, bluegrass, chamber choruses, or even chamber operas, Uh, really is about the intimacy of the art form. And here at the Garth Newell Music Center, our, our venue seats only about 200 people max. It is incredibly intimate. And it's inside of this beautiful old wooden barn structure. It is the epitome of intimacy for chamber music. It truly, truly is. So the definition of chamber music really is a broader definition than what people usually assume. At the Garth Newell Music Center, we carry on mostly with the classical chamber music idea because we have a resident piano quartet. Now, a lot of people have never heard of a piano quartet, and when you say that, they immediately think that there must be four pianos, and that's not true. A piano quartet, Is four musicians, and the makeup is a piano, a violin, a viola, and a cello, as opposed to a string quartet, which is two violins, a viola, and a cello. But we have an award-winning piano quartet. It's the Garth Newell Piano Quartet, and uh, they do about 50 of the programs themselves every year. And then we supplement that by bringing in other groups and other artists. So coming up soon, we have the extraordinary jazz musician Etienne Charles, uh, we've had traveling bluegrass, award-winning roots music. Uh, so we we supplement the work that is done at the center by our own resident staff with extraordinary musicians that come in and visit.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the programs that you offer?
1: Sure. So the Garth Newell Music Center is just incredibly unique. It's difficult to try to nail it down into one sort of thing that we do. Of course, the concerts are the thing that most jumps to people's mind. We we do run concerts and we have heavy concert seasons in the summertime where we run 10 weeks from July 4th weekend all the way through Labor Day. And most people, when they first get introduced to the center, they think that's all we do, like we're any other sort of summer music program. But we are actually year round. We also have a Fall Foliage Festival that runs three weeks in October. We do holiday concerts over Thanksgiving and New Year's. Uh, In the wintertime, we offer these really cool concerts called pub concerts, which are open and free concerts to the public, uh, where they get to come in and hear some really quirky music. I mean, it really is just sometimes funny and off the wall. And it's a very relaxed atmosphere uh, to introduce people to chamber music that might not necessarily... want to buy a ticket for it, but they get to experience uh, what we do there. And then we have a spring season that begins in late April and May, and then we're back around to the calendar again. In between that time, we have educational programs that run. Uh, We have the Allegheny Mountain String Project, which is a comprehensive K-12 music education program teaching violin, viola, cello, and bass. It's actually spread out over 2,100 square miles in this entire mountain region. So we have teaching centers in Bath County, in Highland County, and in Allegheny County. And we draw children from those three county areas and a couple areas in West Virginia. Right now we have about 52 children in that program. And they love, they'll actually be busking here over the holidays. They'll play in the Great Hall. They're adorable as can be. That program is extraordinary for the amount of cooperation that it takes with such a huge geographical area. We also have a youth orchestra that's attached to that program. We have about 22 children in the youth orchestra, and we have two preparatory orchestras for the children to teach them the skills so that they can actually enter into it. And then over the last couple of years, one of the things that I have hoped for most has happened, and that's where the children involved in the program are starting to self-form chamber music groups. So right now we have two string quartets of students that have just... They like each other, they want to play with each other, and they formed two string quartets in addition to what they're doing already. The difficult part, of course, is that you know one of the students is in Allegheny County, one is in Bath County, one is in Highland County, uh, one is in West Virginia. And so there's a huge, huge commitment on the part of the parents to make sure that the children can participate in this program. And when I say that it's magical, it's actually magical, that it even exists and that it can can be sustained. We are now in our eighth year of that program. And just to blow the horn of that program, we've had one of our first graduates go off and was accepted into Virginia Tech's music education program as a string music educator. So we're pretty, we're pretty chuffed about that. We also have an amateur chamber music retreat. And that is for anyone of the age of 21 to 80 something or 90 something. Every year, they, they put in their applications and they spend a long weekend at Garth Newell, uh, where they receive coachings from the Garth Newell Piano Quartet, and then they put on a concert as just amateur chamber music lovers on that Sunday afternoon. We have the flagship program, which I had talked about earlier, the student program that happens in the summer. Uh, That has evolved over time. Uh, We're going into our 46th year of that program, and it is called the Emerging Artists Programme. Uh, the Emerging Artist Program is 11 fellowships, full fellowships for developing young musicians who are right on the cusp of starting their own professional careers. Uh, they come from all over the world. Last year, we had students from five different countries uh, that were competing for those 11 fellowships. Uh, and they go on into their own lives, and you know, some of them launch their own professional careers uh, shortly after visiting with us. So those are the major programs that we have. Uh, during the off-season, we also do events up at the Music Center. We have an event center called the Garth Newell Enterprise. And so we'll do weddings. And if you want a sort of rustic country wedding, it's a great, great venue for that. So lots of, lots of stuff that happens up there. Even my board members, when they first come on board at the Garth Newell Music Center, they'll call and say, oh, well, what are you doing now that it's, it's quieter? <laughs> I was like... When is it quiet? When is it quiet?
0: <laughs> so I understand that in 2017, you won a pretty prestigious award. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Oh, I would I would love to. I, any chance I get to brag on the Music Center is great. We actually won two awards uh, recently. The first was a national award from Chamber Music America. Uh, it was a commissioning grant for our Garth Newell Piano Quartet, And it was based on the beautiful, beautiful place of Bath County where Garth Newell exists. Uh, We have a great friendship with a composer. His name is David Biedenbender. And he came in to Garth Newell to experience what we did here, fell in love with it. We'd played uh, one of his pieces before. And we just thought that this would be a great partnership. He fell in love with the place. We fell in love with his music and then we together submitted this grant which we won. It was huge for us and we just premiered it uh, this summer in 2018 was the first performance of what is called Solstice uh, which is a piano quartet based upon the beautiful changing seasons here in Bath County. In 2018 the Virginia Commission for the Arts recognized 50 artists and organizations that had significant impact on the arts in the Commonwealth of Virginia over the last 50 years. And the Garth Newell Music Center was recognized as being a bedrock institution for the arts in the state of Virginia for its contributions, not only to the art and the uplifting of the arts in what is an incredibly regional and rural place, but also for the economic impact that we have on this region. The Music Center, I've I've mentioned before, the Music Center exists in a county of 4,500 people. And very much like the Omni Homestead, our demographic is drawn from the eastern seaboard. I always like to think of it as a day's drive. So if you were to draw uh, Bath County as being in the center of a circle, and you were to draw a big circle around that, that would say it's a four or five hour drive, that's where the people come who support our organization. It's from a huge geographic area. When I say that we impact the economic livelihood of of our county, it's true. Through tourism, we bring people into this area, one for the beauty and for Garth Newell, and to spend time here disconnected from the hustle and bustle of everyday life.
0: You mentioned earlier that Garth Newell is a non-for-profit. What exactly does that mean?
1: The Garth Newell Music Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And what that means is that we are able to receive donations to stay open. The arts and arts funding in America uh, has often been uplifted through private philanthropy, and that's true even today. Unlike other countries where art is often state-supported, the amount that we receive either through federal or state funding is is minuscule. You compare that to European countries or or Asian countries where it is largely state-supported. So being a 501c3 nonprofit organization means that people... Who believe in the arts and believe in the mission of what we do, which is to perform and educate people about chamber music and to perpetuate and and advocate for chamber music. People that believe in that mission can give donations that they receive uh, tax credit for. That's a 501c3 in a nutshell.
0: So for someone who's coming to visit for the first time, what's the one single cannot miss activity you would insist they do other than the music center?
1: Well, that's difficult because of course I would say the music center. I mean, if there's one thing that you can do, then you must absolutely come and buy a ticket to attend one of our events. I will answer your question eventually, but I will say that, you know, at Garth Newell, there's always room for you at a concert. We often pair concerts with dinners, And the dinners you have to have a reservation for, but you always, always can just drive up the day of a concert and buy a ticket at the desk we will always have room for you for the concert. Outside of that, your must-do here in Bath County, I'm going to say two things. The first one is a do and the other one is a do not. The do that you must do when you're here is get yourself out into nature You absolutely must enjoy the beautiful hikes that are available around here, whether it's out to Hidden Valley, the recreational area out there. There's just this stunning, stunning hike along the river. And then if you're interested in birding, there's a wonderful birding and wildlife loop there. Uh, That's connected to a very large trail system that hooks into the George Washington National Forest. So if you are a hiking enthusiast, you can spend hours on the trails out there, which are all pretty well marked. If you're very, very good, check out the Hidden Valley Bed and Breakfast Inn. That is the site where the movie Summersbee was filmed way back in, I think it was the 90s or so, with Richard Gere. But I, I think Hidden Valley is very much one of my favorite places to go. There's one, one stretch of the hike where it's almost canopied over with rhododendron and laurel. And I always feel like it's, it's going through this enchanted forest as you hike along there. There's also this beautiful wildflower preserve. And in the, in the late summer and early fall, it is just a riot of color and stunning beauty of just beautiful, beautiful legacy uh, wildflowers native to this area. My second one is do not. I think the true magic of this place is to not feel like you have to be distracted by doing something. The best thing that anybody can do for themselves when they visit Bath County is to stop trying to fill the time. The whole magic of the place is to be still and listen. We are a dark sky county, so you can look up at the sky and see the Milky Way at night. Uh, You can not be distracted by beeping and, and sirens, so you can actually hear the wind whispering through pines. You can hear birds singing in the trees or the rustle of small animals. If you take the time to stop trying to fill your time, I think that you will find a doorway into a deeper, deeper existence. And that, I think, is why people keep coming back.
0: So what's your favorite secret about the area? Something that you discover once you're here but wouldn't necessarily read on a website.
1: I think one of my favorite things is actually the hike up to Flag Rock. You can sort of see where that is when you're driving into the county on 220. There's a large fire tower that sits up on top of the, the ridge. And Flag Rock is just slightly north of there. It's a pretty difficult hike if you take it from the old dairy barn. Uh, it goes straight up the side of the mountain. So it's a, I would say that it's medium difficult to difficult in areas. But if you go up to the Ingalls Overlook... And just down the other side, there's an easier entrance to that trail, which is very, very gentle and just sort of winds back and forth up to the top. When you get to Flag Rock, there's an old flagpole there that one assumes there used to be a flag flying. And there's a little uh, gazebo up there. But what I love about it is that you're, you're balanced right at the top of the mountain where you can look down into both valleys and almost have a 360 panoramic view of this incredible area. So down below sits the village of Hot Springs, and down the other side you get to see into the Millboro side of of the county. And it's just, I think, one of the most magical places that exists here in the county. It sounds breathtaking. It is.
0: Well, that's all the time we have for now. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's been lovely visiting with you.
0: Learn more about Hidden Treasures at the Homestead by listening to our entire podcast series, available in the Property Details section of omnihomestead.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For exclusive offers on the Omni Homestead and other Omni hotels and resorts, sign up online for select guests. You'll also receive perks when you stay, like free Wi-Fi and complimentary morning beverage delivery to your room, beginning on your second stay. Beyond the Tower is a production of the Omni Homestead Resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. The title music, Welcome to My Homestead, is written and performed by David Hill. Executive production by Lynn Swan, production by Altamira, audio engineering by Echo Dog Productions, and hosted by me, Jesse Bruton. Many thanks to all of our talented guests. For more information about how to book your next day, visit theomnihomestead.com. Omnihomestead.com.